Ali here. Uh, and yeah, these are some of the things that I would say include engineering for me. Interesting. All right, and um, let's see, Tobias, what do you think about that? Do you agree, disagree? If you had to, if you had to package what engineering is into a very small box, and that box was a sentence or two, what would that look like? I would actually agree to what Patrick said. Um, when you asked that question, I thought about my brother immediately, who is a mechanical engineer. Um, I'm a software engineer, and I think. Uh, in theory, that's not so much different from each other. It's creating, it's getting an idea or like identifying a problem and then creating something to solve it. And that path of creation, I would call engineering. Um, you could start with requirement engineering, uh, I don't know, concepts, feedbacking there, like learning from it and then writing code ultimately um, towards shipping and continuously improving it. Interesting. Well, engineering, if you think about it from a techno, if you just strip away software development and then take car manufacturing, it's also engineering. And, and then it becomes pretty clear that it's this process of creation. Process of creation. I like that. Now, I am a word engineer. I, I use my programming skills to fit words together and choose them wisely and get up on stage and, and try to create systems and solve problems with that. So today we are going to be talking about scaling engineering. And that's everything from mechanical to systems to reliability to looking at a holistic problem in a way that you can actually fix it. And we are here at the Scale Up uh, Valley podcast. Now you can check us out and other episodes at scaleupvalley.com. My name is Ryan Poland. We got Paolo here, we got Tobias and Patrick, and we're gonna talk about some of the challenges, some of the advantages, some of the stress, some of essentially wiping off the fog on the mirror so that we can get a look into how you guys are scaling up engineering at your respective companies. So sit back, uh, grab your cup of coffee. This is going to be good. And Paulo, I'll, I'll hand the word to you uh, so that we can kick this thing off and let's rock and roll. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. So, you know, before we actually jump into the topic of uh, that brings us here today, the main topic of feedback and, and how feedback helps, you know, scaling up companies. Um, for our audience to get to know our two guests today a little bit better. Perhaps I'm going to start by asking both of you, maybe we can start with you, Patrick. What are you responsible for in your company? Um, how big is your engineering team? And, you know, at the end of the day, what makes your company unique? Sure. Uh, hi, my name is Patrick Quire. I'm the CTO at N26. Transitioning actually into a role called Chief Scientist. We'll talk about that differently later. Um, but uh, responsible pretty much for all of technology at N26. So N26 is a mobile bank. Uh, we are really trying to change the way that people do banking. So we want to build the bank the world loves to use. And those words don't often find themselves in the same sentence. So we're on a mission to really change that. Uh, we have a German banking license. So we're based here in Berlin um, and mostly in the Eurozone. Uh, we're working towards a launch in the US uh, coming up soon. In terms of the sort of technology team overall, we probably have about uh, 220. It changes every two weeks. So we have more people coming all the time. Uh, and um, I think in terms of engineers, we probably have about 150 out of the, out of the uh, 220 at the moment uh, at a rough cut. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, uh, what I'm responsible for, what the team is, and what makes our company unique. Cool. What about you, Toby? Yeah. <clears throat> Hi. Um... Thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, I'm uh, Toby. I'm one of the co-founders at Blinkist. Um, I'm the technical co-founder that makes me the CTO. Um, and Blinkist is a service that uh, provides key insights of nonfiction books in 15 minutes formats. Um, 
in text or audio so that you can consume knowledge in your mobile lifestyle. Um, by doing this, we try to uh, inspire people to keep learning, let it be um, refreshing knowledge uh, that they have read in books or let it be discovering different kind of books or varieties. Um, and being uh, the technical co-founder um, and an engineer, I understood my role from the very beginning that I take this kind of idea that we had to solve a problem uh, and then to create a solution. Um, I'm doing this for seven years now and in the last seven years that have meant all kind of different things. Like in the, in the first days that had meant like getting my business or psychologist co-founders on like, like this thought on like how to create a system and not go crazy and on like all kinds of things um, towards writing some actual code in the back end on, on some iOS app, making some first data analysis um, nowadays working more with the whole engineering team. Um, the engineering team, as we define it, has like 40 people at the moment, while the whole company is about 130. Um, and yeah, recently it's more trying to set up a proper structure for um, an efficient delivery of um, value. Um, with all that brings it from like career letters to feedbacking to goal setting to uh, structures to mission teams and, and all that stuff. Um, sounds, sounds very familiar, <laughs> I think, to all of us. Um, cool. I actually have to say, now that you guys introduced your, your companies and your roles, I am actually a customer of both of your companies. So I'm, I'm in good company, if you excuse the pun. So <laughs> cool. So let's move on. So like I said, the, the topic that brings us here today is especially the role of feedback in, in scaling up companies and growing. Um, I guess I would maybe start with you now, uh, Toby. Uh, what do you think is the role of feedback um, in scaling up a company? And when you think about effective feedback, um, what comes to mind? What is effective feedback or the essence of feedback? Okay, um, so broad question. Uh, interrupt me if I go too, too wide on it. Um, so I guess uh, feedback um, in scaling a company, but already at the very early days is one of the fundamentals, one of the most uh, crucial parts to, to grow as individuals or as an organization or also as a product. Um, you know, like in the early days, we created some, some idea of how to solve the problem that people don't have time and they want to read more. Um, and we just created a MVP kind of thing. And we got, we needed to get feedback from potential customers. And the same, I uh, started off that job and I did something. I worked together with Niklas, my co-founder, while he created product and design and I wrote uh, software. Um, and we had to like give each other constantly feedback to improve our way to work together, to improve ourselves as individuals. Um, and so I guess the whole um, idea of, for me at least, the, the biggest uh, result of good feedback is that it helps you grow faster. I mean, I guess you would also be able to grow without feedback by just identifying yourself what works and whatnot. But I guess that just takes uh, way longer than if you had somebody to give you constructive uh, feedback that brings you forward. Um, and then when it comes to like what effective feedback means, I guess I, I have done everything wrong that you could do wrong potentially in that kind of field. Um, like I guess in the very early days, like after four weeks after like we founded the company and then I had my co-founder did this, and I did that and I would just go all aggressive as in like reply all and just publicly say you, you did this and you did that, um, which basically didn't help. Um, uh, but just create tension or like was more blaming or like semi-aggressive. I mean, I guess good feedback makes it, if it's not aggressive, it has to be 
cooperative, um, specific, timely, like you can probably read about all of that. But I guess what it means is that if you focus on helping the other to get better, let it be by praising or criticism, uh, that's when you do it right. Um, and then um, I'm a big fan of Radical Candor. Um, can totally recommend that book. Or if you don't have time to read the book, you can check it out on Blinkist. But I can totally recommend um, Radical Candor as a concept where, where basically the core of it is say, um, saying that you should care personally um, and then also challenge directly. Um, I guess we could dig deeper into that if you wanted to. And then also we, um, at the company, we followed this uh, approach of nonviolent communication, um, where in, and I think that's where I struggle the most with, um, where nonviolent communication, uh, um, you, you, you try to like phrase everything to not blame. And if I would say, uh, yeah, last, yesterday you did this and this because you were not committed, that would not be nonviolent um, in that case, because I, I would just assume that you're not committed. And um, so I think in terms of nonviolent communication, feedback is um, very um, subjective because it's my opinion, my feeling, it's based on emotions and I expected something from you um, and I didn't get it or maybe I got it and that's why I'm happy or, and I want you to keep doing it or maybe I didn't get it. And thus I wanted something else from you because otherwise I felt left alone or not respected or something. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's pretty easy to... Uh, violate this especially if you're like in it and then in the very early days uh, you want to do something and you want to get it done and you, you actually care and then you're disappointed by something or whatever and then you just forget about all those things in a book yeah um, yeah how, how about you patrick you obviously since you joined m26 the company grew massively uh, what has been for you the role of you know giving and receiving feedback uh, to actually kind of fuel that in a in a healthy way yeah, so um, I think for me, um, uh, feedback is information. Uh, and I think what's important is to get timely information. Um, so I think engineers, by the nature of it, love all types of feedback, right? So everyone gets feedback about their software from tests, automated tests. And I think what's a little bit different these days is that, you know, we're really trying to speed up that level of feedback. Um, and I think with personal feedback, I think that's a real big key thing as well, is that I think... Uh, one thing I've learned over time is if you, if you don't give um, direct feedback early enough, uh, a problem can kind of amplify. And, uh, and then, you know, sometimes it's uh, for fear of either wanting to hurt, not wanting to hurt somebody's um, feelings or um, uh, for fear of what might come out of the, uh, the reaction from receiving the feedback that you maybe defer that. But I, I still believe that it's important to, to be as timely with the feedback as much as possible. Um, for us, we've really been trying to cultivate a culture of feedback, and I think we, we do this in lots of different ways, right? So, um, you know, when engineers are sort of pair programming or doing code reviews, they give feedback to each other. And um, we try to um, help people really understand how to give effective feedback in those forms again. So some of the things that Toby said around like nonviolent communication, right? So you are not your code. Uh, so also don't get too attached by the uh, comments that come back from code reviews. Uh, these things are about uh, how things can get better. Um, well, you know, information about what, what perhaps there's different opinions. Um, and then you have things like the, I guess, interpersonal um, sort of feedback between people. Um, so some of that comes out, I think, in retrospectives with teams where people are talking about sort of ways of working. Um, and then as somebody who's sort of seeing a bird's eye view of all the different sort of teams, 
has also sort of noticing feedback that maybe comes through secondary sources. And that's probably one of the more difficult bits of feedback, which is it's not really connected to the source and you have to do a little bit more diving around that. Um, you know, with our sort of line managers and engineering managers, we try to really uh, um, encourage people to have more uh, concrete feedback on a more regular basis. So most people have one-on-ones every week or every fortnight. And hopefully through that, they get informal sort of feedback. Um, I have a, a sort of process where I, I do at least um, formal sort of quarterly feedback. Um, and the sort of two ways that I've found really helpful of trying to structure effective feedback is really thinking about um, you know, feedback for me is if I do my job right, then I'm making the other person safe to actually receive that feedback. Um, and by doing that, I found a couple of tricks have really helped me. So one is um, for anyone that doesn't know me, I'm very passionate about retrospectives. I wrote a book about it a long time ago. Um, and one of the things that I really like about the retrospective sort of practice was kind of preceded by the retrospective prime directive. And so, you know, it's a, it's a small, simple saying that you can sort of say at the beginning of a retrospective that sets the scene and kind of the brief version of is, you know, everything happened for a good reason, given what people know about their skills and experience, um, and people aren't ill-intentioned by its nature. And I think that helps you, you can apply that to the same idea of feedback as well when you're preparing it for somebody is that people are, are you know, doing things because they believe it's right, you may, don't, you may not have the information about what's driving them. Um, and then I try to focus on two areas of feedback. Uh, one which is about strengthening their confidence around the things that they should uh, um, uh, continue doing. Um, and uh, the other one is really about opportunities to have more impact. Uh, and I think this is a, a big key is that, you know, I think everyone wants to have impact. Everyone wants to get better. Um, and I find that by phrasing my questions at myself about what feedback should I give people, if it's not landing in those two categories, then I don't think it's very effective feedback. And I think through that, it helps people really understand um, or helps, helps people improve. And as a result, I think that a lot of issues that maybe um, uh, sort of bubble away and don't get addressed through direct feedback can get addressed quite quickly you know, through a lot of sort of team-based feedback practices and interpersonal feedback practices. And I think that's really helped us scale. Cool. So I guess one thing that comes to mind is this idea that maybe when you're giving feedback to a less experienced person versus a more experienced person, I guess like the rules of the game kind of change at least slightly. How do you, what are the key differences that you see between giving feedback to a more, you know, senior engineer versus perhaps a more junior engineer? Um, how do you do it? Maybe Toby, you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting question. I think the, the feedbacking um, on a more junior level, uh, as Patrick said, uh, it happens in code reviews. It happens maybe, uh, you know, in a lot of like standard processes. Um, at least that's the case for us. So I haven't developed the super sophisticated uh, processes of giving feedback for uh, super senior people. But I think um, what's, it's just more natural for juniors to like do code reviews, to do this, to do retrospectives inside scrum meetings, et cetera. But once you're not working in that anymore, but you're like an engineering manager who takes care um, of a lot of people, then suddenly it's not the code anymore, but it's the people. Um, and so I guess the more senior you go um, and then getting feedback for it, like for example, take me being the CTO, uh, I have nobody to tell me, look, this is what you've done good or bad last week. So um, I guess 
the more senior you go, the more you have to actively look into your reports and your peers, um, which uh, so for a classic example would be my co-founders. And then at, at the very beginning, we were like the, th the four of us um, just sitting there uh, doing something together. And I would just get constant feedback all the time. While right now we are like 130 people sitting in different parts of the office. I, I barely see them. Um, and if we do, then we like work on very high uh, abstract proposals and such. Um, but, and so I think it's, and the more senior you go, the more active you have to be about it and like giving each other feedback and guidance. Um, and then what we, what we introduced um, pretty much a while ago already is like standardized tools such as 360 feedback where you would take a tool. Um, you can also just find uh, predefined questions for that if you're too lazy to create your own um, for like leadership. And then you would give that um, to a person at hand and then make them invite like 10 to 15 people from uh, peers, from like direct reports, from a manager, um, et cetera, and collect feedback there and then try to see um, what people think about you and how you like how they perceive you. And what I find the most interesting there, um, and I wonder if this is relevant for juniors, but what I find most interesting there is the difference between a self-review Mm -hmm. and how uh, the others knew. Um, and I'm, I'm a coach for a lot of uh, my engineering managers um, to do 360. And so I show up as a coach, which helps them like analyze it. And I'm, uh, I find it the most interesting if, if there is like a difference uh, between, you know, how you, how you view yourself versus how everybody else uh, does. And then that's a very interesting point. Um, either you do something like exceptionally good without knowing, and then you foster it, or you might have an improvement area you were not aware of. I mean, then yeah, and and that's exactly what I what I was coming to my mind is this idea of self awareness, which in my experience is one of the key things that kind of distinguishes more experienced engineers from less experienced engineers. This this self awareness that usually when it's not there, the self review ends up being misaligned with with the manager review, and sometimes this leads to some uncomfortable conversations, um, if you will. So I guess, Patrick, do you see a difference between junior and senior engineers uh, in terms of how you give and how they receive feedback? Um, yeah. Or is, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I think I definitely uh, also uh, underscore a couple of things that Toby said. So I think from my experience, um, yeah, as you sort of maybe go up higher levels, it's harder to ha perhaps get uh, more candid uh, um, sort of feedback. Uh, so it's something similar that I've had to sort of do is actively seek out more feedback from people. Um, and I think there's something interesting about uh, being aware of power dynamics and, you know, be, be people in sort of uh, authoritative roles and actually having more. Um, and so, you know, being careful not to sort of put your foot forward first without actually asking questions to really understand where people are so that you don't affect um, potentially the outcome of what, what people are sort of having. Um, but I think one big difference that I've definitely picked up with sort of juniors versus perhaps more experienced people is that I think juniors uh, kind of know that they have a lot to learn, right? And I think this is where often there are people who will be a lot more active in seeking out very feedback because they're really keen yeah. to learn. Um, and so actually they already have a very big open um, uh, mindset to actually receiving the sort of feedback. And, you know, it's in every and anything. <laughs> so uh, every area, they just want to grow, they want to learn, you know, they know that. Um, and this is where it gets a little bit more um, tricky, I guess, with more experienced people is that 
you know, people get build confidence through a certain uh, area. Um, and, you know, then people feel like they maybe don't need the feedback in a certain area. And I think there's a couple of ways that I've learned to try to um, target that. One is um, by asking people specifically around areas they would like feedback on. So, you know, if somebody doesn't want to get better at public speaking, there's no point in sort of uh, collecting feedback around how well have they been performing sort of uh, presentations. Um, but if there's also fundamental parts of what their job needs to do is part of that, then obviously they have to get some feedback in those sorts of areas. But I think trying to find out where are targeted areas that are aligned with people's growth paths can be very helpful, particularly for senior people, because then you can sort of target more specific concrete feedback. And I think that's what you do also need at a higher level of performance is that you really need to understand the fine differences between what makes somebody good and what makes somebody really great. And I think that's where that can be really helpful if people understand where that's actually coming from. Um, I think the, the tough conversations that you kind of alluded to, I think, are also where, yeah, where there is that difference of between self-perception uh, and perhaps the um, perception of others. And this is where I actually find collecting feedback from peers um, at the same level or people that I collaborate with is also a really key thing. Exactly. Being able to present not necessarily just your view, um, but actually getting uh, input from particular different perspectives. Um, and so we often talk through, so I sort of work through a process of collecting feedback or people pull feedback from their peers and then we talk through what have they learned in that process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just chiming in briefly on, on my side, it's exactly what I also do or have been doing for a while now. It's kind of like what I call these three angles of feedback, the, the self review, the manager review and the peers review. And the confluence of those three has, has led to very interesting conversations. Most of the time, pretty much aligned, which, which is good. And we can just, you know, go forward into how can we make this better and how can we improve? Um, and not so much uh, in terms of, you know, it, it's not going well, but at least if it's misaligned, you know where to look and you know what kind of conversations uh, to have. And so one thing that I'm very curious about is that we have been talking, you know, a lot in terms of you giving feedback to your, to your reports, to your peers, et cetera. What about, is there any piece of feedback that you got in your careers that kind of stuck with you, you know, um, that made you better? That was kind of like almost a revelation. Is there something you can share in those terms? Toby? Uh, yeah, um, probably a ton. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess uh, doing this for seven years now as well, um, as like working to very closely together with my co-founders, I've like received so much feedback or like in this interaction learnings from it um, that obviously life changed everything. Um, one, um, maybe one, one thing that uh, because we're talking about scaling and what happens when you, like when I said that the very first day I was like writing code, right? Um, and now I'm more working with the organization and with people and careers and such. And I think what's an, what is very interesting learning for me, what I got as feedback, um, that with my own change from writing software, where I could just have an idea, write it down, press the play button, see if it runs, if it crashed, I just iterated over it until I made it work, like build, measure, learn, fail faster. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I kind of like kept that uh, attitude. Uh, when I started working more with the processes and setting up teams and do we do scrum and how do we organize this and that and how do we do uh, like how do we align missions between teams and 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 all of that kind of things I mean I I guess one big 
feedback I received there that I, for a while I was very fast in like iterating over ideas um, and changes at the organization where you actually affect the way how, I don't know, 50 people work. Um, and then I got the feedback that maybe they're like, uh, I, I had this too much of an iterative attitude and I should rather create a proposal, set back a little bit, like reflect more versus this very iterative build, measure, learn, fail fast kind of attitude I had as a developer. Um, and so it's not too long ago that I had to learn this, that working with people and working with code um, is so much different from each other. Uh, and then the, I guess the, the issue with it, that I received this feedback pretty late. Um, so I did some iterations. Um, uh, and on the way, I lost some, probably lost some people. They're like, oh, again, another change. Yeah, whatever, we'll just do it. Um, and I guess there, it would have helped me if the feedback would have been way more timely. Um, uh, because otherwise, at, you know, at some point, you just don't see it and you just keep going. And, and if you have somebody next to you, look, hey, man, let's just come back, like come to me and like ask for feedback, ask for challenge, let's reflect together. Um, uh, that's when I think I, I would, like, when, I, when I got that feedback, I was like, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> why couldn't I get this Javier earlier? Uh, would have helped me so much. Um, I guess that's one, like out of the recent things, but then throughout the last seven years, it probably happened a thousand uh, things that helped me growing as an individual and also like towards our shared mission. And Patrick, when it comes to you, I guess the same question, but interestingly, as many people know, you have an extensive background at ThoughtWorks, consulting and working with different companies. So I guess in a way, that's also a lot of feedback to you, just out of all of those experiences, you know, coming into a CTO position then in a very fast moving mobile bank in Berlin. So is there a, a specific thing that was kind of like a, a trigger kind of moment? Um, that you can share with us? Um, well, I guess I've been working <laughs> for like 18 years, so there's a lot of yeah, movements. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. I think related to feedback, there's probably two things that I, I can probably share. So I think one of them is I read uh, Peter Tseng's, um The Fifth Discipline book a very long time ago. And it's mm -hmm. probably like the first book I read about systems thinking. And system thinkers tend to think in terms of loops uh, yeah. and feedback. Um, and I think uh, there's um, a couple of things that I learned from reading that book, uh, other than about like trying to build a learning organization, which is always still the mission. Um, but one was around uh, feedback loops that are too delayed. Uh, and I see this in software quite a lot, right? So um, I think it's one of the reasons why agile software development has become so popular is that, you know, uh, the feedback of what an engineer builds, puts into production and has impact on customers can be a lot quicker today. Uh, exactly. And that creates a positive reinforcing feedback loop there. So shortening that feedback loop actually creates more motivation. Um, but at the same time, you have to be careful of feedback loops that are maybe too fast. And I think it's maybe alluding to what Tobias also said. I've seen this too many times where uh, sometimes this complex system needs a bit of time to stabilize. And by changing something in the system again, uh, you keep sort of poking it and then you never end up with a stable system. And so exactly. it feels like things are always constantly changing. Uh, and that's where maybe you do need to slow down those feedback loops because there's too many things actually going on. So I think that's one thing uh, about feedback that really influenced how I look at um, information and the flow of information across people, systems, and software is looking for loops that are going too fast or loops that are going too slow uh, and try to find the ones that give you the most impact. 
Um, on a sort of more personal level, I think probably uh, one of the more personal feedback uh, things that had a big impact was when I was working on my second book called Talking With Tech Leads. Um, I think you know this one quite well, Pelo. Um, and I think for me, it was like this big transition as I still remember the same time of moving from a, a sort of developer, exactly what Toby is saying as well, of like, you get a lot of pleasure from writing out code, but then actually leading people uh, is very, very different. Um, and my first personal experience was like successful, but traumatizing at the same time. Uh, not the easiest time, uh, and actually some interesting feedback from people of, of, of hearing other people in the same sort of position, but without a support network. And I think this is what has led me to really being very passionate about helping um, engineers move into this leadership position. I often describe for technical people, it's probably one of the bigger uh, leaps as well. I think people who come from perhaps, um, I mean, all people who move into leadership roles, it's still a big leap. But I would posit that I think for people in engineering, it's a lot harder um, because if somebody is, say, in a marketing department and they move from something to a leading sort of role, they generally probably would have been okay with communicating with people, working with relationships and influencing people. But those skills aren't necessarily rewarded if you're an engineer. And so you're kind of starting from almost zero skill sets that aren't rewarded in your natural system that you suddenly are expected to perform. And that's where I think I, I've sort of found a personal passion of helping people find um, and give them their support network and actually helping them on their own personal journey. Um, so those two bits of uh, yeah, feedback have really impacted me. Cool. Ryan, I think you had a question here for our guests. That was a good one. Yeah, I do. So one thing that I'm hearing when it comes to the scaling up is that things are changing, right? Your roles change, the product changes, everything's agile and you're flipping around, you're moving. So when it comes to feedback, how often are you checking in with your employees or the people that are your peers about how they are articulating what the company is doing at any given point or how they're communicating what their role is in this larger organization at any given point? Because we're talking about feedback on the roles and functions, but I'm curious if we ever take that to the level to say, okay, now pretend that I don't know you. What is it that you do? What company do you work at? Are you finding yourself checking in and giving feedback on the way people are communicating what they're doing and the company's doing? Yeah, maybe I can uh, have a go at uh, answering that. So um, uh, we're in sort of hyper growth land. So in 18 months, we've sort of grown the tech team from 55 to like more than 200-ish people. Um, and so part of that was being very explicit, I think. And so one of the first things that I, I introduced was what I call the target operating model. Um, and the idea was to have a bit of a shared mental model. At the end of the day, it's like a document presentation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but a bunch of uh, diagrams and words that try to give people a similar context about the structures that we wanted to work towards, um, the ideal uh, role mix, and people always violate the ideal. So it's a model, uh, but it's supposed to give people a common understanding around that. And then a common set of expectations around how those roles fit together, how each of these different sort of groups or teams work in a particular area, in a particular way, what things are um, more explicitly sort of autonomous at a, at a sort of smaller level, what things are sort of global standards. Um, and then we've kind of actually iterated that on that. So we're now on working on the third version iteration of that target operating model as we grow and scale, taking in feedback from the organization about things that we were trying to solve with the previous one. So Concretely, when I first came in, it was really just trying to give it some structure. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of un, 
sort of movement, we needed to kind of stabilize the system. Um, and then the second version was really thinking about how do we scale up the structure that we had, uh, taking into account would be operating in a different place where people can't rely on just face-to-face -face communication anymore. You need to start writing things down. Um, we're working through the third iteration and a lot of that is driven through a lot of the sort of what I call organizational smells. So in engineering, you often talk about code smells and I'm looking for feedback about organizational smells. So what are the pain points that slip through and then trying to work that into the next version of that model. Um, but that's how we're trying to do that. And then obviously through one-to-ones one and, and uh, you know, lunchtimes and visits to different sort of teams, you're hearing about how it's working or how it's not working and how people ex um, explain some things. So I think one thing, for instance, that we haven't done very well is probably articulate the expectations around what is the injury manager as it evolved from our first version of the target operating model to the second version. Um, and so that's something that I think we'll be working on articulating in the next version to make it a bit more clear. Interesting, thanks. So for us, uh, um, coming from, uh, I don't know if you know, but we, like a couple of years ago, adopted a version of Holacracy. Um, it was like when we, I, I guess, outgrew 10, 15 people and we realized that we kind of like created four departments around us for founders and we're like, okay, let's not do that. Um, that's what we did never wanted to do to have this like silos thinking. We started thinking about the first organizational concept to adopt and we, we, we found um, Holacracy very interesting and tried it. <clears throat> we call it Blinkracy. Um, but what it does is it kind of like starts everything with a purpose. Um, and so everything has a purpose and from a purpose you derive uh, domains accountabilities. Um, usually you would have that at a as a role. Um, and then as the uh, the domains and the purpose of a role outgrows, you start making something that would you would call a team. In Holacracy, it's called a circle. So we still have circles in the company that have a purpose. And then inside those uh, circles, there are roles that again have a purpose that serve the bigger purpose of the circle. And then each of the roles uh, has domains and accountabilities. And I guess, um, so it's kind of like it's baked into our um, DNA these days that we start thinking from what's the purpose? Why is this actually needed? Um, what's the domains and their accountabilities? And then at some point we assign or basically a person empowers that role or a person could empower multiple roles. But I think the thought process is that um, we start with a purpose and then we think about which person uh, to empower it. And then Holacracy also introduced something that they call tacticals and governance meetings, while the tacticals is more like the operative week to week where you process day-to-day -day business and the governance is like actually stepping back, looking at the structure as itself and then together changing the structure, thinking about the, is the purpose really the right thing, the right purpose at the moment? Do we need to change the purpose? Do we need to create new roles? Who is empowering them? Um, but then at some point we kind of moved away um, from this uh, blinkracy approach again. Uh, I guess that could be another uh, podcast episode, but <laughs> kind of like moved away. We wrote some blog posts about it, um, but we still kept some of those uh, holocratic approaches with like purpose, roles, domains, etc. Um, and then once we change that now, we, um, we these days we call it blinkist operating system. So we also have a process on how to change. Uh, roles and ideally you shouldn't be running around the company without having a role assigned and um yeah i guess so yeah the my answer would be i guess from this holacracy approach we we kind of had this talking about why and what am i doing and and, and such um from the very beginning 
Yeah, it's interesting how we, we talk so much about the roles, but uh, I'm always curious of how we're giving feedback on how those roles play out outside the company. So that was interesting. All right, Paulo, I know you've got a good hot pocket question for the to, to wrap us up here. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like a common question to, I think, most of our episodes, and it's one I really want to hear your our guests on. And it's basically if you had one engineering advice or one piece of advice in general to give to any startup that is looking to scale up, what would that be? Patrick, you want to take a stab at that one? Uh, I would say the simple answer is don't be the bottleneck. Uh, so um, one of the other things that I learned over time was really theory of constraints and managing bottlenecks and uh, particularly uh, people who are sort of in any fast growing thing. Um, if you become the bottleneck, it'll be very painful for you and for the people around you. Uh, and I think that's probably one thing that I would, I would give as advice, uh, getting feedback about when you're starting to become the bottleneck and then work out ways to scale yourself. And normally this means delegating. Normally this means growing a team, uh, working out where you're sort of good at and your strengths and sort of applying your strengths where it makes sense. Um, but my word of advice would be don't be the bottleneck. And that's interesting because it comes back to the idea of self-awareness, right? Because I think sometimes lack of self-awareness is the one thing that gets in the way of you realizing or not realizing that you're being the bottleneck and how that's hurting your organization and, and the scaling up of your organization. Uh, how about you, Toby? What would be one advice for our audience? Yeah, um, talking about engineering today and talking about feedback, uh, I guess the advice would be to so always try to choose the right amount of engineering needed to collect feedback as fast as possible, if that makes sense. Um, uh, for, for example, it could be we want to build a feature right now. Or it, want, it could be you want to just kick off a startup to begin with. Um, and you like for, for us, for example, I don't know why exactly we went all in building an iOS app and the backend and all that stuff. Uh, while we had this idea, we could just take the great knowledge from books and condense it to something. Um, and that we could have also made a newsletter and just send it out via newsletter. We could have sent text, audio, everything there. Um, I would have taken way less engineering effort for probably getting the right feedback at the time. Um, and I, I think this kind of like combination, Patrick called it like some feedback loops are too slow and some are too fast. Um, and I think combining this with engineering and like building the right amount of things to like actually get the, the feedback that you want to get um, before moving on, um, it, it's, it's the trick. Um, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying, you know, just do that. Um, it's probably very individual. It has to fit the situation and it's a certain scale with like a hundred plus people and like millions of millions of users, you cannot just throw out things anymore and just see what feedback you get. And then you have to choose a different kind of engineering style. Um, but I, I guess that's something that I wasn't aware of. So I would have loved, I mean, I, I probably was aware of because I read it in a book, but I didn't really understand or like translate it to, to my working habits uh, six or seven years ago. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so just briefly chiming in from my side, because this is something that I, that are topics that I really like. What I would say is that when you're scaling up companies, usually, uh, you know, scaling up developers is a lot more straightforward than scaling up leadership and management. Uh, but I think it's incredibly important um, at the same time. So all of these feedback loops that we were talking about throughout our conversation, I think without strong leadership, without strong management, without strong coaching, it's a lot harder 
to actually act, exploit and, and benefit from these feedback loops and actually uncovering them. So investing in engineering management, investing in coaching and, and good leadership, I think it's key to, to scaling up in a way that's not just gonna run you against the wall. Ryan, you wanna wrap up? Yeah, well, I've been taking some notes and here's what it looks like, right? You've got, uh, you, you, what we're talking about is when it comes to feedback and it was ironic because here I'm giving feedback to you guys about giving feedback. So it's kind of like a feedback inception. But one of the things that, that I, I heard as a theme throughout and is on point for scaling is that not all feedback is the same based on who you're giving the feedback to. And I think if we look at this topic as how do you give feedback in a scale up? Well, you've got to scale that feedback based on the position, based on the goals, based on the timing, based on where you're at. And so there's this big sort of, it depends. But one thing that is clear is that radical candor, fast communication, self-awareness, um, the ability to basically help engineers engineer in a better way. They're used to getting feedback on code. Uh, so it's all about giving them feedback on how they're building that code, how they're working with the team members. And you know, my question about how do we give feedback uh, for what happens outside the office is something I think is also a crucial element to this where you have systems and structures that are in hyper growth or things that are moving based on original founders and then building from there. But just being self-aware of the type of feedback, the time of feedback, uh, all has to do on a sliding scale. And I think that as you're scaling, approaching this in an organic and uh, way that sort of matches the growth of your company only makes sense. But the, the definition of feedback to wrap it all up is that feedback helps you grow faster. So the more feedback, the more accurate feedback, the more you're going to scale. And it is different dealing with code than dealing with people. <laughs> and I think that being cognizant of those cultural differences and the introvert versus extrovert uh, is really a great opportunity for leaders who are in the engineering space. And it's exciting to see you guys who are passionate about not just looking at these people as engineers, but looking at them as people first, as part of the organization. And I think that uh, that comes out clearly. And I think that's a big part of why you guys are having your success. So for those out there who are scaling, scale your feedback, tweak your feedback, give your feedback, and be radically candid about it, um, but without violence or without blaming, <laughs> because at the end of the day, we're all scaling together. So this is a, another great example of Scale Up Valley in action, taking people, bringing them together to make sure that we have best practices so everyone can scale faster, scale more appropriately, get to where they want to go, and then ask people how it's going along the way. <laughs> so thank you guys for coming out, for all the insights. Uh, hopefully we can all stay connected, and I would challenge anybody out there who has a follow-up question, reach out to these guys, connect with them on social, check out their companies, read their speedy books. Um, you know, you've even got a few books that we've mentioned here that you've written as well. So take this as a stepping point. That is my feedback on feedback here about feedback. Feedback. <laughs> cool. Thank you guys so much for taking the time and for all the insights. It was very good. Thank you. Thanks Keep scaling. Yeah. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.